Well, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, welcome to Liberty Station. Uh, I'm excited about this episode. Um, you know, uh, Liberty is doing what's right, and this is what Rob says every time, and uh, and I can almost never remember it, but I think it's profound. Liberty is doing what's right, and freedom is having choices. Mm. So here on the Liberty Station, you know, we get to introduce and uh, interview fabulous guests, and I'm excited to get this pleasure to do this solo because uh, you are a hero of uh, our household. So with uh, without further ado, um, Mr. Vodi Bakum. Awesome. How Thank are you, you, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah. yeah. Glad so, to be here. So I'm good. I, I read your bio, and we talked about this a little bit uh, for a few minutes, um, you know, while we were warming up here. Yeah. Um, but uh, a couple of things that I think are, are great, and then uh, I, I just want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But uh, uh, first and foremost, you know, you were very uh, important to my family because of all of your work in uh, homeschooling over the mm -hmm. years and everything that you did there. And um, you're a father of nine children, is yes. that right? Yes. Um, and uh, your your ministries have led you all over the world, including Africa. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. But uh, as I was reading your bio and updating uh, myself on on you uh, since the old days when we used to chase you down at uh, at Chia to to listen to you speak. You uh, you also are a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy like me, so yeah, we man. are we are BJJ yeah, brothers as absolutely. well as brothers in Christ. So oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun to get to catch up with you. But uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about um, why you're in town, and uh, you know, yeah. again, thank you for coming in. This is just such a treat for me. Yeah, man. Um, well, I have been living. My family and I, our, our seven youngest children, my wife and I, have been living in Lusaka, Zambia, for the last seven years, it'll be seven years in August, went there to help start the African Christian University, um, which is a university, a classical Christian, you know, liberal arts university started by the Reformed Baptist Churches of Zambia. So I'm the dean of the School of Divinity at, at the African Christian University. I come back here a few times a year to do a preaching tour, and this is one of those times. So I was in the area doing um, a an expository preaching workshop, and then the Shepherds Conference, and then here doing a, a, a one-day conference and then preaching tomorrow um, here at uh, Godspeak. So uh, that that's that's why I'm here, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then exactly. I leave from here, heading to Louisiana, and then go see my grandkids in Mississippi, finish up in Florida, and head back across the ocean. Yeah, well, yeah. it's wonderful. Well, there was a couple of things that you were um, – you know, really uh, instrumental in our thinking um, as a family. And I'm talking, you know, the, the Eddie family. And I've got um, uh, three daughters, 18 now, 17 and 13. In fact, they uh, I'm doing this while they're they're heading to a formal tonight for our uh, homeschool nice. group. And, and uh, they are they are young women now. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, it's just so amazing to see uh, how they've developed. And some of your philosophy and some of the things that, that we learned from you were important in that. Um, there's a couple of things that, that really shaped us, one of which was your concept on integrated worship. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that, and I'd love you to expand on it a little bit, but that, that made us bring our girls more mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the church service with us versus the idea of, you know, constantly having them you know, be amused in youth groups and things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so talk, talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, you know, I mean, the church is a body, and the body is made up of multiple diverse parts, right? And that also includes people who are young and, and people who are, are old. And 
it's very important for young people to learn from those who are old. How do they how do they know what it means um, to to be a Christian in the household of faith? How do they know right what it means um, for them to operate as a young man or a young woman? Um, they they learn that through watching people ahead of them model that for them, um, but they they can't learn that if they're never a part of that that broader body. I think we rob them of something. We rob ourselves of something. Um, but then more importantly than that, we don't see any examples or instructions in the scriptures that would tell us that we should divide up systematically um, anyway, right, like that, where there's certain people who are not going to be part um, of what we're doing. So I think for both of those reasons, it's, it's really important that um, we have this sort of age-integrated approach to our worship. Yeah, well, I, I I think that's phenomenal, and it's interesting because during the lockdowns, you know, we, um, you know, here in California, um, we were one of the first, if not the first, church to uh, defy the lockdown order mm-hmm. and and open up and and uh, open up fully. And during that time, we had everybody in the sanctuary, yeah. and um, and as a result, um, uh, you know, I saw such a, a neat and and profound effect because. We were sort of forced into it uh, at that time, and we've we've kept open that model so yeah. that although we do have you know youth groups and you know all those things that are still operating that I think yeah. are great, um, we we did integrate everybody during that time, and I think yeah. you saw this effect, and um, and it's fun because my girls during the entire time. Um, you know, wanted to be in the service with us, even when they had some of those options to, yeah. to go in. And, and of course the, you know, the, the church is very friendly to that and, and, uh, and it's, it's great. And, and it's fun to you know, have them there with us Absolutely. and be able to worship alongside yeah. and also, you know, hear, hear the, the message and everything, you know, from, from the pastor. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now tell me a little bit more also about um, you know some of your past ministries like with with the homeschooling stuff because that that was uh, again so important to us and then and then you know from there let's let's catch up on on more of, of what your focus is right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I I'm a local church guy. I've always been a local church guy. I'm a church planter, um, and but also a a homeschool dad, and so I was invited, I don't remember where the first event was, probably in Houston, um, got an invitation to come and, and speak at a homeschool event and sort of opened up that world to me and I guess introduced me as well to that world. Um, and so from there, um, I just had many opportunities to go and and, and, and preach at homeschool events to, to kind of encourage and, and instruct and, and, and motivate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, families who were, were coming into home education and um, always have, have appreciated that. Still do it every chance I get, you know, on those tours when I come back. Yeah. If there are homeschool conferences happening, you know, I, I try to uh, try to make it to those when I can. Well, one of the things that I appreciated was you, you were always unapologetically bold. Right in in your message and and uh, what you what you advocated for and and in fact uh, if you you know Google and I'm sure you know this you you're you you know half of the things of course that, that come up with you know anybody who's outspoken is um, you know uh, negative articles and I think uh, I think one my wife was laughing um, the other night um, 
when we were talking about it, she goes, oh, yeah, if you look him up, he's he's a male supremacist. Yes. Uh, you know? Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and what's what's interesting about that is, you know, uh, one of my p- passions lately, and we were talking about this a little bit with respect to uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and, and um, I, you know, there's a real lack of strong masculine role yeah. models now. And I think that a lot of the um, problems that we're having now is a direct result of, you know, men not knowing Absolutely. how to be men. Absolutely. We've rejected manhood and we're paying the price. Yeah. You know, God, God made us male and female and he did that on purpose and he did that for a purpose. Um, men are called to be, you know, priest, prophet, provider, protector. Um, men are called to protect women. Um, you know, men, men, men are given certain attributes, um, and responsibilities. You know, there's a difference between men and women and you can see it, you know, you can, you can see it in the cradle, right? Yeah. I mean, boys and girls are not the same creatures. Um, and that is by design. And when we reject God's design, uh, the results are always catastrophic. And so the interesting thing about that is people rail against masculinity. Mm-hmm. They rail against patriarchy. But then we suffer the consequences of, you know, eliminating and despising masculinity and patriarchy. And what do we need in order to rescue us from, you know, those consequences? We need men. Yeah. We need men to step up and be men. And so now I think we're in a season where because of that vacuum, there are people who are looking around and asking, um, number one, where are the men? And number two, where are those who can teach men how to be men again? Yeah. Um, I just finished writing an article that's going to be um, you know, published in our, our local paper talking a little bit about this age of discord that we're in. And... Um, and I think it is going to be in this coming decade. It's going to be um, there's going to be a need for men like never before. Um, and I think in that in this you know grinding mortal and pestle, I think uh, the the um, side effect of it is we will have men yeah. um, stand up and step up. Yeah. And and I'm excited to see that. And I've told uh, I've told friends and you know guys that I I've talked to and trying to encourage that that this is going to be the decade of the warrior and I mean that in the in the masculine sense and and um, you know not necessarily in the combative fighting sense but although it probably will be some of that um, I, but I mean in you know men standing up and you know fighting for their households and fighting for masculinity um, if you uh, were to analyze how we got here with masculinity falling apart what would you what would you say I think, as always, it is a satanic attack on the image of God, right? Um, God creates us in his image. He creates us male and female. Um, You know, God gives men his own title of father, right? Um, Who is Christ? He is the the son. Um, He is also the bridegroom. So if you have a hatred for the God who created the world. If you have a hatred for the God of scripture, then you are going to have a hatred for biblical masculinity. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a war on biblical masculinity. Now that will manifest itself in a variety, variety of different ways. Um, feminism, you know, being right. chief among them. 
Um, but th th that's where this comes from. Ultimately, um, it is a satanic attack on the image of God. Yeah, and at the same time, it robs what feminine really is, too. Yes. You know, because it, it ends up destroying women at the very same time, um, you know, filling them full of lies and and, yeah. um, and telling them where their priorities should be and, and diminishing you know, some of the some of the most valuable things that I think are intrinsic in them and, and things that they feel. I, I've had, um, you know, the um, I've been in the position a few times over the years with, uh, you know, women that have uh, really aggressively pursued their career at the expense of everything else in their lives, um, get to um, their middle age and be in tears telling mm -hmm. me that, that they, um, you know, left mm -hmm. behind all things, all kinds of things that they mm -hmm. shouldn't have. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. and at some point it becomes you know too you know too late to yes. um, to recapture uh, those things, and the you know and the world's lied to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I always tell young mothers, you know, they'll they'll get discouraged, or mothers of large families, you know, they'll get discouraged and be looked down upon. And I always tell them, nobody will mock you on the back end. Yeah, when you're surrounded by your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren in your latter days, nobody will despise you then. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, no woman, no man ever comes to the end of their life and says, wow, I wish I, wish I hadn't had so many kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, early on in my marriage, my, my wife and I um, – uh, you know, we'd go to d different, um, you know, dinners and things like that with clients and, and everything. And there'd be, you know, a lot of uh, women that were aggressively pursuing careers. And, and my wife had, and I, you know, and she made this decision that, you know, she wanted to focus on, you know, being a wife and mother and homeschooling mm -hmm. our kids and, and all that. And my wife is incredibly smart, incredibly talented, could do anything that she uh, wanted in life. And she's a an amazing uh, singer and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, classically trained uh, opera and all of this stuff. But she made she made our kids the focus and uh, and every time somebody asked go oh well what do you do you know she she would kind of almost sheepishly admit that well I'm a you know I'm a mom and all that stuff and I and I remember telling her one night as we were driving home you know you, you know you are a professional of the highest order because here's yeah. what you're doing you know yeah. and and do not be ashamed of that. And again, this isn't to take away for from you know women who are pursuing careers because I, I don't want to diminish uh, their desires there either. But at the end of the day, uh, never ever be ashamed at doing uh, the you know the greatest thing on earth, which is you know raising amazing kids. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. So the other thing, and then and then I want to get to uh, to uh, you know because you're, you're satisfying all the things that I want to talk about <laughs> right now, and I apologize. No, no, it's uh, all right. but uh, but the other thing is you wrote a, a great book, and uh, forgive me if I mess up the title, but I think it was uh, what uh, what he must be if he's if to, he marry wants my, to marry my daughter. Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so tell me a little bit about that because that had a big impact on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, um, so I'm an apologist. I mean, it's the end of the day. Um, you cut me, and I bleed apologetics. And, and cultural apologetics. And that book is really, uh, among other things, an apologetic for biblical manhood. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, as a father, I'm thinking about the man I want my sons to be and the man I want my daughters um, to look for and to long for. And um, so that book was really, you know, all of those things 
you know, kind of kind of rolled into one. Can you, uh, yeah. for um, our audience who hasn't read it, can yeah. you give them a, a quick uh, couple of highlights yeah, of well, what you think? You know, one I've things. already referred to, and that's that idea of the four P's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that if a man is going to be a husband, that he has to be prepared to be a priest, prophet, provider, and protector, right? Right. The the priest who represents his people before God, the prophet who represents God before his people, right? Um, the the provider who sees to it that his people have what they need, and the protector who puts himself between his people and any and all things that would harm them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, w- when you understand, you know, from 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 that perspective, um, what it is that a man is supposed to be or required to be, then that changes the game, right? Now, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you you can have a degree and be graduated from college and you can have a job and you can have money and still not have the four P's. Right. Right. Or you can be somebody who never spent a day in college. Right. Who has a blue collar job um, and be exemplary in all of those areas. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that sort of led me to write that is that, you know, we're living in a time where young women were being pointed in the direction of men who may have a lot of those other sort of peripheral things, but not be priest, prophet, provider, protector. And then you end up in a marriage where you don't have the things that God has designed you to yearn for and benefit from. Right. Right. So I wanted to herald that in the midst of this culture that was missing those essential elements. Right. Yeah, well, uh, you were on the leading edge of these things because it's only gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. How do you make sense of what's going on um, right now in our culture? I'll tell you when I figure it out. <laughs> um, no, again, it's just a satanic attack. Um, th- th- this is the fruit of a worldview. This is a fruit of secular humanism, postmodernism, um, cultural Marxism. You know, this this is the fruit of these ideologies that have been pushed and peddled in and through our institutions of higher learning, right. um, really since the '60s. Right in earnest, um, th- these these roots have run deep, um, and and now we're seeing the manifestation of them as they begin to bear fruit in in the broader culture. And we're reaping the whirlwind. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think there's a lot of believers that uh, are thinking that oh, this is just you know normal swings of pendulums and you know things like that. Um, and uh, the uh, the Overton window has moved so far um, that what we're getting used to now is altogether different. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 horrific to me. Yeah, and again, this is why the pulpit is so important, right? Because how, how how do we recognize that that shift in the Overton window? Who who's going to call us back to a standard that doesn't move? Right. Mm-hmm. This is where the 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 Word of God, right, and and the ordinary means of grace become so critical in the life of the believer. But not only in the life of the believer, but in the life of the culture at large. Because we don't just herald this truth to those who believe. Mm-hmm. We herald this truth indiscriminately to all 
because we have the words of life. Right. And so how ironic that in the midst of a cultural crisis, like a pandemic, you would shut down the one place where people are to go yeah. to find hope instead of despair. And I'm dead. And, and, and this is what a lot of people are not talking about, right? You know, people talk about COVID and, and, and we need to do all these things because we don't want people to die of COVID, COVID, but people died because of suicide mm-hmm. from their anxiety and depression. People died because of drug overdoses. People died because of, you, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, all, all there, there's so many other things that people were dying from because we ran and hid, you know? And so I, I, I again, it was not the time to say, shut down all the pulpits. Right. That that was demonic, you know. Not to mention the fact that no one has the right to command what God forbids or forbid what God commands. Amen. And when it comes to the church gathering for the proclamation of the word of God and for the worship of the Most High God, that's something that God commands and no one can forbid. We felt that here and uh, and and fought. Um, you know, against those orders and stayed open and, you know, accumulated fines and, you know, did whatever it took to, to uh, stand firm there. Amen. How was the pandemic viewed um, in Africa? Yeah. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that. Well, in Zambia, there, there was great fear and anxiety there. I Mm -hmm. mean, and let me, let me, let me hurry up and say, you know, when this first started, um, everybody was scared. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah. We had no idea what this was. People were dying, and we were told that it was just going to be, you know, by the millions, and <laughs> you right. know, um, and, and so you know, there, there, there was that. Um, but, but then beyond that, there, there was not, especially you know, in Zambia where I am, um, there was not the pushback that we saw here. People here were complaining because we didn't see pushback by more guys, right? Right. Um, you know, in most of the world, there wasn't pushback by any guys. Right. Um, you know, here in Canada, you know, spatterings, you know, across the world. But in most of the world, um, and, and in most African nations included, um, there was no pushback by by anyone. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I I guess I, I may, and maybe this is naive of me, I... I would have thought that there would have been a lot in Africa uh, of pushback, or at least uh, just it, it be more of a or less of an occurrence there. No, huh? No, 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 not at all. Um, it, it, was, it was very interesting, and it was interesting being an expat, right? right. Being the foreigner who's you know um, who, who, who's there in the midst of all of this, um, and and just trying to figure out and understand. The, the the cultural response right um, yeah it was, it was a really interesting time yeah so uh, tell us now I mean uh, more what you're doing now and you know how can we help you how can our audience help you and yeah. support your ministry and all that you're doing like I said um, I'm I'm serving at the African Christian mm-hmm. University um, we're now six years old and it's a classical Christian liberal arts, biblical worldview, university, um, really striving to have an impact and, and make a difference um, in, a, in a unique country. 
a country that's the size of Texas with about 19 million people, um, a constitutionally Christian republic, um, with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there working with a, a group of churches that are part of a, a multiple decades old indigenous Reform Baptist movement. Um, so we're really excited about what the Lord is doing mm-hmm. and what we believe the Lord can and will do um, in Zambia um, and in the broader region of South Central Africa. Um, you know, Islam is on the march through Europe yeah. and through Northern Africa. Um, and, and when you start thinking about a response to that in terms of, you know, the, the, the gospel spreading and pushing back, um, you, you start asking yourself, where, where's that response going to come from? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, because Europe, Europe's, Europe's gone, you know, um, Europe is a, is a sad mess in terms of, of Christian witness. Um, when I traveled there, I um, it was remarkable to me how many of the most beautiful church buildings were turned into bars mm-hmm. and nightclubs. Or mosques. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, churches are empty and mosques are filled to the brim. Yeah, and Sunday to, to them is just another day. Yeah. There's not even a, um, at least here, I think, and, and it's getting worse here, but but there's like a, a beat of at least for one second that Sunday's maybe a different day. <laughs> like it's still a little bit integrated into who we are culturally. Yeah. Um, and, and you see how that's quickly disappearing. Yeah. Um, I uh, One of the things that we did, determined not to do, um, and we kind of chose as a family different avenues, was sports. Um, you know, my, my daughters are musicians, play violin, and, and uh, we, we really resisted the pull that some of our other friends had uh, towards these, you know, little league activities and things like that because they took the entire weekend and they dominated yep. Sundays. Yep. And I thought that, that that had seemed to move so quickly when my kids were, were young. But now I, I talk to, to friends that have very young you know children that are starting in some of those. Now it's even worse. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I'm uh, always blown away to see that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's always amazing to me that people who would never dare tell the coach, sorry, we can't be here because of church are more than happy and comfortable telling the pastor, sorry, we can't be here because of sports. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, um, what can we pray for you for? Um, you know, again, how can our uh, audience support you? Um, yeah. You know, tell me, what, what can we do for you? Well, I mean, for me personally, um, still got seven kids at home, yeah. you know. Um, I've, got, man. I've got, you know a bunch of teenage sons at the house. So it's critical time. It's just right. a really critical time. Um, I'm, you know, excited about it, but just want to be faithful, you know, uh-huh. d- during this season. Um, and then for the work, um, just this work that we're doing is incredibly important. Um, I'm, I'm honored um, and considered a privilege to be a part of laying a foundation um, for something like this. And um, I want to be faithful to that task um, as well. Um, and and then beyond that, just 
being a good steward of the influence that the Lord has given me, um, yeah. which, you know, is, is beyond my comprehension. But um, I want to steward that well. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, I look forward to hearing you tomorrow. And uh, I know I want to get you out of here so that you can go get rested up yeah. uh, for, for a couple of Gotta services. Go do laundry, man. Go do your laundry. <laughs> yeah, all those things. Um, hey, could I could I ask you a favor? To uh, would you pray for what's going on in the world right now and yeah. just you know close this out in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Father, our Father in heaven, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we bow before you in humble adoration for who you are, in humble adoration for what you've done. And we beseech you, dear God, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our world, we look out and we see wars and rumors of wars. We look out and we see chaos. We look out and we see darkness. We see open defiance of everything that you are and everything that you've done. And yet, in the midst of all of that, we have hope. We have hope because of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope because you still sit enthroned in the heavens and you do whatever pleases you. We have hope because you are the sovereign ruler of all that is. We have hope because you are the creator and sustainer. We have hope because you are indeed our Redeemer. And so, Father, we do pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We do pray that Christ would be glorified in and through us. We do pray that Christ would be preached in and through your church. And we do pray that as a result, he would have the full, full reward for which he died. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, this was a real blessing for me, and I I, uh, I know it was for the audience too. So Amen. thank you for spending this time. And, Absolutely, you know, man. It's my pleasure. Yeah, go get that laundry done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, folks. Uh, really appreciate you tuning in um, and, and helping us out. And uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to our channel.